Welcome to the Illuminating Mycelium Podcast. The podcast for everyday people by everyday people. I'm your host, Project Dave, and I'm back at it again to continue highlighting and amplifying the lives, ventures, and endeavors of everyday people just like you and me and learning from them along the way. I'm very excited to share this with you guys today. We have a very special guest. It is none other than Mrs. Alicia Campos, and I know her personally. She is indeed my sister. I actually made reference to her back in the first episode, for those of you who remember. She's a local elementary school teacher and a mother, and we're going to be covering a lot of good topics today, so stick around. We got some fire content coming for you guys. Alicia and I are going to be discussing what it's like being a teacher, tips for the communities to better support education, multiculturalism, identity, self-care, mental health, and much more. Uh, before I begin, I just want to briefly say, as many of you guys are aware, teachers are often forced to foot the bill for their own classroom supplies, and oftentimes they're not reimbursed. So with that in mind, in the description box, I did put a link to Alicia's Amazon wishlist link. So for those of you who feel obliged to donate or help contribute to make sure that her classroom gets the supplies it needs, that's in the description box. We greatly appreciate you guys. All right. Um, I can't say enough good things about my guest. So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and bring her on. When talking about everyday people and their stories, we can't help but talk about all their hard work. So grab a cup of coffee. I often think about what fuels a lot of these everyday folks, as well as what sustains me personally. Coffee certainly helps, but it can't just be any coffee. It's gotta be coffee made by everyday people for everyday people. The kind that when you brew it in a pot, it kind of just draws everyone to the kitchen and they're sniffing that aroma. Our beans are sourced from small businesses in the heart of the Appalachia. My personal favorite, the Route 39 blend from Lexington Roasters is a Forbes top ranked coffee. You can also check the notes on each blend to determine flavor profiles, shipping, and more. Beans are roasted on a weekly basis to ensure freshness. So if you're looking for some extra fuel to aid you in your everyday lives, ventures, and endeavors, go to thegrindbluefield.com backslash shop dash coffee dash roast or click the link in the description to pick out your next coffee beans and brew a pot of happiness. The grind never stops. Alicia, thank you for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast and share your story with us as well as what it's like being a teacher. Of course, I'm happy to be here. So to start off, briefly tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm Alicia Campos, David's older sister. I graduated from Concordia College in Moorhead in 2012 with a degree in elementary education and a minor in psychology. I was a substitute teacher for a year, then worked two long-term sub-jobs. I am now going into my eighth year teaching at my current school. I have previously taught second grade for seven years and then moved to third grade this year, teaching at a distance this fall. I have a wonderful husband and two amazing little boys. The oldest is almost five and youngest is nine months and both keep me busy. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that with us. Yes. So first question that I have for you, did you always know that you wanted to be a teacher? Yes, I did know that at a very young age that I always wanted to be a teacher. You can ask my mom and dad and they would tell you that I was that kid who asked for an easel for my birthday or Christmas present. And I've I always loved this. <laughs> yeah, playing school at home. 
I also loved shopping for new school supplies and got excited for a new school year each fall. Awesome. So what drove you to choose this profession? Yeah. One reason why I chose education was because I had always had amazing teachers myself. My family moved after my first grade year and my second grade teacher, Mrs. Ryder, was a great influence. She always seemed so welcoming and willing to help. Throughout my academic years, I had many educators who went above and beyond to make a difference. I knew that with some hard work, I could inspire the next generation of students to follow their dreams. For sure, for sure. So you you had a minor in psychology, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay, can you talk about the psychology behind what uh, forgotten people and the impacts that it can have on them? Sure. I think as a society, sadly, many Americans have become very focused on themselves and their own needs. Our culture has warped into a very individualistic and competitive culture compared to many other collective world cultures where the idea of what's best for the group is best for me. Here, it's not as prevalent. I think one reason why teachers are forgotten is because not many have truly understood all of the work that is involved in shaping young people's minds. Sometimes parents in our society often only think of their child and forget that teachers have 20 some other students needs who they're also trying to meet and that teachers have families of their own to devote their time to. Teachers love what they do, but it is a lot more than just lesson planning. Also, I think society and media focuses on heroes who save people and help people in a very dramatic way, such as firefighters or nurses, etc. Those people are, of course, important in helping our society be safe and healthy. However, many everyday ordinary people, including teachers, are heroes too. We have also seen this amidst the pandemic when essential workers, such as grocery store employees, became just as important to our survival as healthcare workers. The amazing thing is, as a teacher, I can remind students that no matter their future career, we are all interconnected and will need basic skills to become a productive member of society. As a society, what can we do as a whole to better remember these forgotten people? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one thing to remember is a simple thank you goes a long way. This fall, my school's PTO sent school staff a Caribou e-gift card. It was a small gesture, but it meant a lot to know that there were people showing appreciation for our work as we scrambled to provide the best possible education our children deserve in the midst of a pandemic. Several parents at beginning of the year conferences asked, how can I support you? And that was really nice. Later this fall, I've gotten emails acknowledging and thanking me for the work that I'm doing with my students. These ways of appreciation cost very little, but they mean a lot to educators. That is really nice. Yeah. So you're both a mother and a teacher. Yes. How do you see both of those overlap on a daily basis? Yeah. So I sometimes joke that I have two of the most important jobs in the world. (laughs) True. (laughs) But I believe it's true. One can only hope that as a mother, I have raised my children to be kind, responsible citizens of society long after I'm gone. It is very similar in my role as an educator. I want my students to be able to get along with each other, since those are skills they will need the rest of their lives. I also want my children and the compost kids, my students that I call them, (laughs) to know that the hard work they are pursuing now will help them down the road. Children, whether they're my biological or adopted children and students, 
They're the future. We need to instill hope that they can make change in the world and give them the skills necessary to allow them to do so. I also love when my past students come to visit me. They did this pre-COVID. They came back to ask about my family. They told me what they're up to now in middle or high school. Now, just like a parent and child relationship is lifelong, I want all my students to know that I will always be there for them and I will keep rooting for them after they leave my doors. In that regard, educating and parenting are very similar. You are your children's and your students' cheerleader. When they need help, you are there. When they need encouragement, you are their biggest fan. Being a teacher and a mother is hard work, one only other educators who are also parents can understand. But even though I go to bed every day tired, I fall asleep knowing that I made a difference in over 20 children's lives. And that's a pretty special feeling. Oh, I I can just about imagine. Yeah. Well, both can present challenges. Can you tell us about the rewards of both? Sure. So being a teacher is obviously very rewarding. Hearing a student excitedly say, oh, I get it now, that light bulb moment, or when they bring you a piece of their work that proves their amazing growth since the beginning of the year. It's not always academic growth either. Some of my students, through lots of support from their family and other adults at school, they transform and mature emotionally and behaviorally. These transformations are my why. They show me that having a growth mindset and never giving up is important, even on the hardest days. It is always worth the effort. And being a parent is very rewarding, of course, too. They say parents are a child's first teacher. And so naturally, the two roles overlap. You are not only teaching your child how to talk, how to dress, behave, etc., but parents can also support academics at home. My older son's first word was book. I knew then that I had started my child on the right path towards knowing that books are a way for you to become the smartest person in the world. Remember that your attitude is also teaching your children. Parents are critical in their child's education because your child will never stop learning from you. Agreed. How do you greet your students both at the beginning of the day as well as the beginning of the year? And then on the flip side, how do you give them farewells both at the end of the day and at the end of the year? Yeah. So when I was teaching before the pandemic, I would greet students at the classroom door as they were hanging up their jackets and their backpack. Some students would extend a hug. Some were content with a high five or a smile and a good morning. While distance learning, I smile and try to greet each student as they enter the live meeting. I like to check in on those students who I haven't seen for a few days and say, hey, I'm really glad you're here. Now more than ever, having students feel welcomed and that they belong is even more important than the academics. Now, pre-pandemic, farewells meant a high five as students left the room to go to parent pickup or a great job showing all of your work today in math. I'll see you tomorrow as they get on the bus. Now that I am teaching virtually, we have a closing meeting where we play virtual games and then we say goodbye to each other with a wave. Awesome. As a teacher, how do you go about inspiring your students to take their learning outside the classroom? Yeah, that's a good question. One of the most important things I learned in college was to have students find the purpose they are learning something. If you want them to try new things and take risks, you have to explain its importance. We are learning three-digit edition, for example, because someday when you're a grown-up, you will have to go shopping and you'll need to make sure you have enough money before you spend it. 
or we're reading nonfiction today because someday you'll be reading articles and need to analyze that information. Once students understand the why, they are then able to apply those skills in their real life and make the connection that learning is not just from 9.20 a.m. to 4 o'clock p.m., but it is constant. I like to hear about my students' lives outside the classroom or virtual classroom and hear about their interests, playing violin or swimming or doing karate. I also encourage my students to share parts of their school day with their families. Remember to show your parents the hard work you did on your personal narratives <laughs> by encouraging students to see every moment of their lives as a learning experience. They are encouraged to constantly be curious and explore the world around them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think there's a lot of awareness being brought to the fact that kids need a more holistic education. And so do you think that helping them take learning outside the classroom benefits them in the sense that uh, mandated curriculum doesn't always go far enough. You're listening to the Illuminating Mycelium Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, you should come check out all of our fresh new merchandise and apparel that just dropped on our store. We've got t-shirts, pants, sweatshirts, hats, phone cases, water bottles, coffee mugs, shoot, even blankies, and a ton more. All made with comfy fabrics and premium materials, they feature our signature logos, catchphrases, guest picks, and come in all sizes. Now shipping nationwide right to your doorstep. Just go to IlluminatingMyceliumPodcast.com or click the link in the description to pick out your next gear and become the mycelium. Yes, definitely. I think a big part of teaching isn't found in a manual. It's following a child's curiosity about robots and tying it to the standards when possible. It's combining main idea with Black History Month and current events. It's about following students' interests and making the curriculum feel relevant to them and their lives. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So you work pretty intimately with adolescents and youth. Um, what is one contribution they make that you think it's overlooked by society that you would like to bring awareness to? Sure. I am always amazed at the kindness that young people have. One year, my class was having a tough time showing kind words and actions. So we made a chain and added a ring each time someone did something kind. The first day, a student pointed out that I had to stop a lot of my teaching to add a kind action, whether it was a student who shared their markers or gave someone a compliment about a tower they built. Students love to help their teacher but they also have good hearts that want to help anyone. Now, helping nowadays with the pandemic might look different. It might be, your microphone is on mute, please turn it on, or <laughs> I can show you how to start a Google Doc. But I often think how great our world would be if adults could be as kind-hearted as children and help those who aren't exactly like them. I think the world would look a lot different, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, yep. All right. So outside of commonly known things such as buying like gift cards or small gifts, what is one other thing that parents or students can do to better support teachers in providing the highest quality education possible? Yeah, I think the biggest thing parents can do to support their child's education is to simply read with your child. 
I know at the end of the day, it seems like one more thing on your to-do list, but I promise it will expand their vocabulary and encourage them to be lifelong readers and learners. Also, remember your attitude is everything. Your child is watching you. When you try something and it's hard, do you want to teach them to keep trying, have grit and persevere? I think you do. You can also volunteer, whether it's in the classroom, post-pandemic, or assembling supplies for distance learners. Also, the biggest way to provide quality education is to think about your child as an athlete or a soccer player, for example. You as their parent and the teacher in school, you are all rooting for the same team and you have the same goal of wanting your child to succeed. Partner with your child's teacher, even if they have news that is surprising or not what you want to hear. Those teachers spend countless extra hours tailoring their instruction to meet your child's needs. Remember, they're doing their best and they have high expectations for your child. So please listen to them and ask how you can support at home. Trust me, that will go a long way in nurturing that parent-teacher relationship so you can all help that child. Definitely feel that. I think that's really important. I think that's a good way of looking at it. And like you mentioned, parents are stretched really thin, you know, even before the pandemic, especially now. So outside of commonly known tips, what is one other thing that people don't know about that they can do to improve their child's education? Yeah, I think one really important tip would be encourage your child to be creative. And as a side note, video games and watching TV isn't the best way to do that. Take your child <laughs> oh, outside. Let them create their own game. Think about what passions does your child have. Use things you have at home to encourage those interests and help them be creative. That's very practical. I like yeah. that. All right. So moving on to multiculturalism now. Last year, I believe you took a trip to Mexico, correct? Yes. Do you want to tell us right. a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, so many of you know, my husband's family is from Mexico. And so we spent time with his family in Puebla, Mexico for 10 days. I had the pleasure of going on the trip with three of my nieces, one nephew, my husband and my oldest son. Teaching at a diverse school is something I highly value. And having many past and present Latino students it was an amazing trip to be able to experience what Mexican culture is like firsthand. The people were so welcoming, the food was great, and the memories were even better. Awesome. That sounds like a really fun time. Yeah, it was. So what does multiculturalism mean to you as a whole? Sure. Multiculturalism to me means being able to celebrate where your family comes from and to take pride in that fact. Also, knowing that as humans, we represent many different languages, values, religions, races, ethnicities, and finding acceptance in that is what makes our country and the world a richer place. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. Multiculturalism is a pillar of many societies. How do you think that we can continue to practice this in a nonpartisan way? Sure. So at my school, we have previously had culture night where we celebrate all of the countries represented by our student body. This year, we started our school year off working on an extended culture project, talking about what family means to you, where your family is from, what is special about your family, etc. This has been something my students come to look forward to each week. It is important in a school setting and society in general to celebrate and appreciate differences and also take comfort in knowing we have more similarities than differences. 
I have had some professional development throughout my career, but I believe as a teacher, I am never done learning, especially with regard to recent events. I will never have personally experienced some instances many of my students of color have. That is hard to accept, but I know I can learn from them and show them acceptance so that they know, even though I may not look like them, we can partner together and make their future bright. That makes sense. I think we can all get on board with that. Um, So moving on to self-care and mental health, um, time management is a very valuable skill set that many strive to have. Um, You yourself, you're constantly busy all the time. How do you find time for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. And this is something I need to get better at. (laughs) I believe it does a world of good to be assertive, just like I teach my students. So I like to try asking for help when I need it. My family and husband are great at lending a hand with childcare or letting me run an errand by myself to get some alone time. My coworkers also have been known to remind each other and encourage taking a break. One of my coworkers always encouraged no schoolwork on the weekends. Now, to me, in the early years of my career, that seemed like a foreign concept. But then I tried it and the world didn't end. I was still able to be a good teacher and was able to decrease my stress levels. Someone once said, there's no award for being the last car in the staff parking lot. I think it can be argued, as it is even harder now working at home. There is not a clear boundary unless you make it a point not to check email after a certain time. I think the old saying of you can't pour from an empty cup is very true. Teachers are among many in professions who pour, pour, and pour. But you have to be able to realize when your cup is empty and make a plan to take a break. That is why many teachers get defensive when people say, must be nice to have the summers off, (laughs) when in reality, we are just refilling our cup from constantly pouring 180 days into 25 students and families. Self-care is more important now than ever. So thank you for increasing awareness on this important topic. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. So I may be a little bit biased in saying this, but I've always known you to be very (laughs) humble and caring and kind. How do you personally stick to your principles in a time where many people have lost theirs? Yeah, I try to surround myself with kind and supportive people. And as my dad always said, if you've made a difference for one, that is a great accomplishment. I think the best thing in a time like this is to show people through your actions. Yes, there might be times when I feel disheartened, but I know I can still get up each day with a fresh attitude and teach and parent the next generation to be better. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So just going to start wrapping things up here. Do you like cats? Uh, Yes, I do. They're my favorite animal. And (laughs) many of my students know that we have a cat named Bella. And sometimes she is a guest in our virtual classroom. (laughs) No way. Because, (laughs) yep, in my teaching area, um, she will sometimes jump on the ledge behind me. So every so often she comes to third grade as well. (laughs) Nice. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Do you think that people who choose cats and people who choose dogs, do you think that there's like a difference in personalities? Because some people speculate on that. So I was like asking people. Oh, yeah, I would say I would say that cat people are they're very like 
organized or finicky about certain things, just like cats would be themselves. <laughs> They'll make their opinions known versus dog people. They just kind of roll with whatever life comes to them and they're more playful and, you know, they like to have fun. Whereas cat people, I think, can be sometimes seen as uptight. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> As you guys know, yesterday was Halloween. Uh, do you want to tell us how you spent your Halloween and how that went for you? Sure. Um, so we had some fun dressing up. I had two costumes, actually. Um, my oldest son was the famous Batman. So I was Bat Mommy with a Batman shirt. <laughs> and my youngest son dressed up as a raccoon. So I had to match him with my raccoon mask. We enjoyed our Halloween trick-or-treating at Nana's and then carving pumpkins as a family. Awesome. Awesome. I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast today. We appreciate you telling us a little bit more about what it's like being a teacher and a mother and just telling us more about your community as well. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. All right. Take care. Yep. You. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed the show and had fun while learning more from everyday people just like yourselves. To support us and help us spread these stories even further, please consider giving us a review or rating on whichever platform you're streaming from. There will be links in the description box just in case you can't find it. And for more news and all things everyday people, join our newsletter by going to our website. By joining, you'll also gain exclusive offers and discounts on Illuminating Mycelium merchandise and apparel from our store. Just go to IlluminatingMyceliumPodcast.com or click the link in the description and become the Mycelium.